Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's time for Michael Bridges to face the music on the Pod. Yes, Bridgie's back to talk all things Leeds United as their desperate struggle against relegation continues. He'll be joined by fellow former Premier League star Thomas Sorensen. We've got the promotion push, Ange Postacoglu's success in Scotland, La Liga women's football and Aussies overseas. I'm your host, Teo Pelizzeri. Welcome to the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get in to the Pod. Is indeed two men we have all been waiting to hear the thoughts of on the Gegen Pod this week. Thomas Sorensen, firstly, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Theo. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I can't wait to hear the uh, the leads insights, uh, <laughs> and when we got Bridgie back uh, on this Gegen Pod, so yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yes, and the much anticipated Michael Bridges, Bridgie. Welcome back to the Gegen Pod. It's been one of those seasons where every time you've been on, there's been something new to ask you about, but I don't think there's been a week nearer and dearer to your heart than the one that has just transpired. Yes, Theo, Tommy and all the listeners of the Gagan Pod, it's great to be back and what a few weeks of football. Nothing ceases to amaze me in the world of football and Leeds have found themselves in a world of strife and especially after the crazy results that we have seen the Premier League over the last few days with Everton winning at 5-1 at Brighton and Nottingham Forest getting a 4-3 result. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the interrogation from both of you guys. Well, where else would we start other than the crazy situation regarding the relegation zone at the moment? We've got huge games coming up this weekend as well that uh, may yet provide a few more twists and turns. But Tommy, before we get into the interrogation of Michael Bridges, I will start with you. Uh, how many more twists and turns does this relegation battle have in it? Or do you think the three that are there, uh, at last, the musical chairs have finally stopped? Ooh, uh, you know, definitely this weekend threw a few spanners in work. You know, who, who would have thought that Everton would go to Brighton and win 5-1? Everton hadn't won away for 13 games. And then to actually, you know, yeah, you could expect maybe, you know, on a rainy day that they could grind out something. But to actually do it the way they did... You know, suddenly I think turned a few heads and, and, and yeah, I know we'll talk about Leeds and, uh, you know, uh, plenty going on there. You know, so, you know, Nottingham Forest, uh, fantastic performance. Uh, the, the atmosphere there at the city ground, uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, there, there's something about games like we saw this week under the lights. You know, it, there's just a special atmosphere and, and, and I, you know, I hope there's more twists and turns. You know, that's... That's what we want to talk about on this Gagan pod. And, you know, I'm sure it's not the last ones we've seen. Uh, they've got r- tough run-ins, uh, games they can win. Somebody's going to pull out uh, something. And uh, who, who's going to be? Who knows? Incredibly, only three games to go. Matchups this weekend, like Chelsea against Nottingham Forest. So Forest going away from home. But also Leicester. Leicester City against Liverpool, having just conceded five in their previous start and real issues over whether or not their defence and general play will be good enough to jump out. But I'm not going to put it off any longer. Michael Bridges, how are Leeds going to stay up? And uh, how do you explain big Sam Allardyce being in there at the helm? Yes, it's absolutely incredible. And you say, how do they stay up? Well, Leeds somehow have got to find some some resolve and take some satisfaction out of what Everton have just done against Brighton, who for me, Brighton have been one of the best teams in the division this season. Watching them, their football is absolutely superb. How they pull off that result, I do not know, but they've found it from somewhere. They've generated that from inside the camp. Uh, And that's what Sam Allardyce has got to try and find. They've got to, players have got to stand up and be accountable and they've got to go out because the games, like you say, there's three games left, Leeds United against Newcastle United. It's going to be very, very tough. They're going for Champions League football. However, off the back of a defeat at Arsenal, you just never know what is going to happen. Now, I was speaking to somebody at Newcastle United the other day, and they were saying that they would rather be playing teams in and around them in the top half of the table than taking on the likes of Leeds United. Because I think they've got Leicester as well, Newcastle. 
So that could be two very, very tough games for them because you've got teams fighting for their lives. So Leeds have got to find something with them and the players that have been there and done it before last season when um, when they stayed up under Jesse Marsh. They were in a similar situation. There was players like Liam Cooper, Luke Ayling, Harrison, Bamford. They've been there before. They're the ones that have got to be the shining light and say, you know what it is, we know how to handle this. And one of the players that came back in was Adam Forshaw. So um, it, it's going to be a very, very tough, tough um, three games for them. Newcastle United, Tottenham Hotspur last game of the season, anything can happen there. And then West Ham, they may rest players because they could be in the final of the Europa League. So that's one that uh, Leeds fans and players will be hoping that they go on to succeed because they may just save some numbers. So it's all to do, Teo. I can't give you an answer. It's going to be damn, damn hard, especially after the results that have come. And, it, you know, it's 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 a sad situation Leeds find themselves in. And they've got a new manager that's got to find something and generate something. And they've gone and they've gone and looked at Sam the fire starter or the fire putter outer. Yeah, Bridget, I, I know you can't, you know, go go into it too much because of your ambassadorial role. But I just thought it got off to a bit of a a bad start with Allardyce coming and and his introduction. Uh, you know, I think it was unnecessary. He wasn't even asked a question that he sort of started to <laughs> talk himself up with uh, Pep Guardiola and uh, Arteta and and you know that he was one of the best managers and 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 everything else. Um, and then yes, you know they they you know decent signs on paper that they went to Man City and 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 only conceded one. I think. You know, that's, you know, maybe an improvement. But yeah, I, I think, you know, with the run in uh, and, and you, as I said, you, you've got the more inside knowledge of it. Uh, it it's going to be so tough with, with Newcastle coming up in, in this next one. And uh, yes, I wonder what, what you made of the whole Allardyce introduction and, and everything that went on there. Well, I would have been, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Tommy, because I thought he hadn't even been asked that question and he's gone out and blown, blown the trumpet and, you know, when you got Pep Guardiola in your next match, you think, and this could be catastrophic. And it wasn't. It was 2-1 on paper. So I think the players have, have galvanised and, and got a bit of hope from that, that they haven't leaked as many goals. I would have been worried if Sam had come by himself, however, but I think he's been very smart that he's got somebody in that has been working on the training park and Carl Robinson, who was at Oxford as the manager, recently got sacked. He's going to do the day-to-day training session. Sam will be the... The management, he'll you know he'll delegate roles and responsibilities, and he's he's a very bubbly character to be fair. And then he's brought a, a lad that I played with in Robbie Keane, who I know is a lunatic. He, he's got that charismatic um, appeal to, about him, so he'll be in there, and he's already joined in training. Keane loves doing his tricks and flicks, so he'll be doing there. So I think the trio may get something out of the out of the players, but there's not a lot left not a lot left in the tank at Leeds United because morale is so low, not only for the players but also behind the scenes as well. There's been a lot of things that have gone on the last month. Tommy, do Leeds deserve to stay up? I, I know that it kind of makes no sense. You pick <laughs> up, you know, the fourth least amount of points, you get to stay up. But Given the abandonment of the principles of Marcelo Bielsa, if I'd said at the start of uh, last season, or even at the start of this season, that Leeds would finish the campaign being managed by Sam Allardyce, you'd have to ask, what on earth happened? So, Thomas, do Leeds actually deserve to go down? You know, again, it, it, it's tough when you concede the most goals uh, in the league. You know, it, it's, you know that, that's a road to disaster. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's about survival. Uh, and and you got to do what you got to do and what you feel is right. You know, we, we've seen clubs in the past abandon their principles to stay up because it's so important. There's so much value and obviously money involved. Um, you know, as a purist of, of football and, you know, we we love to, to see, you know, I'm, I love to see clubs that, you know, has a clear cut strategy. You know, you can look at Brentford, the way they've done it, stuck to their principles. Uh, you know, during, you know, there were some question marks, uh, I think, earlier in the season, some, you know, at a part last season as well, where things were slowly falling apart. But they have stuck to their guns and picked up. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit sort of last chance saloon now with Sam Allardyce. I never thought he would be back in, in management. Like, like we saw... You know, down at Crystal Palace with uh, good old Roy, uh, that has worked. <laughs> well, 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 you know, it's still to, to, to be seen if, if Leeds can turn it around. And if they do, you know, it's been a success and, and they did the right thing. But, you know, do I believe and, you know, do I, do I like it? No, not really. Um, but that's the times we live in. Bridgie, I let Thomas do the warm-up. Do Leeds deserve to go down? 
No, of course they don't. No team deserves to go down, mate. The only thing that's the only thing that I will say to you that's um, upset me on on the outer, you know, when you look in, is you you mentioned the identity of Leeds United under Bielsa, the the fans, um, the players loved that press. They loved the intensity levels of it. Now Jesse Marsh tried to bring that when Bielsa went. He kept them in the division. However, they lost the dynamics of being a white team and playing with an exp- exp- expansive um, position wise. It was very very narrow. And it was all about the counter press. And then you go away from that again under a new manager uh, in Gracia. And you, you, the lads have got to learn something completely different. Sometimes they press, sometimes they sat in. And when they sat in, they got carved open. And the, the fans weren't enjoying it because there was the players couldn't go and press. So now Sam Aldice has come in. It's about stopping the goals and not leaking goals. Because I think what Leeds had looked at was the goal difference. So for me, when you go away from that identity of what Bielsa was, it was always my question, my worry. What what do Leeds do when they lose Bielsa? Because I know teams like Manchester City and Barcelona always had this vision and philosophy to think, right, if we lose this manager, who are we going to get in that plays the Barca or plays the City way? And Leeds obviously didn't have that plan in place um, or didn't get the people that they were after, sadly. So this is the situation they found themselves in. Um, and like Thomas has said, it's the last throw of the dice to try and get survival in the Premier League. Not to do a complete one, Eddie Bridgie, then would you suggest, are you suggesting that there's actually a difference in perception of what Leeds have become uh, compared to, say, fans that watch the team every minute of every game versus the casual fan that maybe tunes into Leeds during a goal rush or maybe doesn't catch anything other than the three-minute highlights package or the nine-minute highlights package and maybe the diehard Leeds fan has seen this happen in real time but perhaps the casual fan looks in and says, well, hang on, Bielsa to Allardyce in 18 months. Explain, please. Is is yeah. that maybe one of the issues here? That, that, that's that's the big issue when you think like that what you've just mentioned there from Bielsa going through three more managers so far to this date that haven't been able to replicate and do what Bielsa's done. Um, and it just, you know, something better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But I do generally think that Bielsa and Leeds would have gone down if they hadn't had a change in personnel. Um, and brought in Jesse Marsh but then if you're putting all your eggs in one basket it, it's just been and I, I think the fall guy at the end of the day has been Victor Orta who's done the recruitment we've seen that he's just he's been left the club as well um, there's been an, whether he was the guy that was involved in making the actual man, manager's appointments um, and Andre's had a big decision to make to, to call so the off the field things I think we go back to is some of the players that have come in as well when you get a guy like 32 million for Ruter who we haven't seen much of this season. You know, dynamic players that are bought in January and the fans are waiting to see something and they hadn't. And then recently there was a Leeds player, um, a former Leeds player, Augustine, who was bought from um, RB Leipzig for 15.5 million. And then they've just lost 24.5 million in a contract breach. So there's something gone wrong off the field there as well. And I think that's why Victor Orta has been the guy that has had to be relieved from the football club to try and get the house in order behind the scenes. All right, Thomas, a bit of a relegation question with a difference. If you're Fulham, Brentford, Palace, Wolves, Bournemouth, uh, one of these teams that's going to stay up and it's a dog-eat-dog world, who are you looking at of those remaining teams and saying, I want that team to go down so I'm a chance of signing that player to keep them in the Premier League? If you're one of the safe teams, who is it that you actually want to go down at this point? Uh, um... I think you'll look at the smorgasbord of, of good players, <laughs> whoever goes down. I think there's talent. You know, you look at Leeds, a lot of young players, you know, they've got talent there. You know, Leicester, obviously, you know, there's been talks for a long time about Madison. Uh, you've got Harvey Barnes as well. Uh, Ward Prowse at Southampton, um, I think, will be, um, you know, you'll be in, in big demand. And I think any team, you know, would would definitely, I think he would probably be the, with Madison would be the two sort of top top uh, signings that that you can make, but you know it depends. You know, there's been talks further up the table. Obviously, Newcastle has been mentioned with Madison uh, as well. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be a fight. That's what what happens every time. And you know, I've been part of relegation fights, and there's always you know, five or six uh, of the top players that have ambition of of playing higher up, uh, and then you got sort of a you know, a mid part of a squad uh, that will be your core for the next season in the championship because they feel, okay, maybe that's, 
you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to find anything better. So, so there's always a turn, a turn around, and I think these players will, you know, for sure look and and yeah, the mid, the middle, middle teams will look to strengthen. So uh, they'll they'll try to pick pick them apart. Tommy, I cannot believe the goalkeepers union. You forgot about one main man at Everton, England's number one, Pickford. If Everton go down, you've got you know you've got a number nine and Calvin Lewin. Yeah, I think you know I think Everton will be fine. I, th- I sadly think you know a couple of weeks ago I, I said Everton, but I, I you know you you look for teams that you know that that really that, that, that throw up something. They they you know they they put the fight, they put the gloves on, and and really I must say this 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 weekend or this this game the other night I think. Uh, I think Everton has has turned it around for me. I think they're 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 gonna do it. They have got a couple of obviously they got Man City uh, coming to them at, at the weekend, but you know, Goodison, anything can happen. I, I think they've 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 done enough. I, so I think it will be Le- Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton. I'm well, yeah, I hate I hope you're wrong, but I hate to say this about Madison. You've mentioned that it, it makes I think Madison's quietly thinking. Well, if I do go down, I've got an easy exit here from Leicester because he's been trying. Obviously, there's Newcastle being looking at a few clubs. Madison gets an easy out if Leicester do go down. I feel for Harry Sutter if it is them as well because he's only just come from the Championship. And there's one player that has been, remember this name, um, Lavia of Southampton. He's been playing alongside Ward-Prowse. He, in the last few matches that I've watched Southampton, has been the only shining light that has come out of this team. He has been absolutely awesome. And he's put himself in the shop window because if he go, if Southampton do go down or when they go down, he'll be getting back in the Premier League because he's been outstanding. We will leave the relegation chat there. And Thomas, you just hinted at where we're going next. Uh, Everton, having just beaten Brighton 5-1, they now move on to one half of the title race between Arsenal and Manchester City this weekend. At home, against Manchester City, whereas uh, the other half of that equation, Brighton, uh, they will go to Arsenal. Let's throw in that Manchester City, at the time of recording, have just drawn with Real Madrid 1-1 at the Bernabeu in the Champions League semi-final first leg. So that tie is still very much on a knife edge, and no doubt Pep Guardiola will be shuffling his pack and thinking very carefully about how to approach the second leg. I have been... uh, maybe with a a slight uh, tinge towards uh, being an Arsenal supporter, uh, throwing the prospect of the (laughs) Champions League knockout rounds out there as something that could distract Manchester City all season. At last, I think we finally have that distraction, a uh, a very tactically interesting first leg. And now Pep Guardiola has to think about who he plays and for how long in this match against Everton at the weekend. Michael Bridges... Is this, with evidence form revival, the window of opportunity that Arsenal needed to take back top spot in the league? Well, if there's any anything to do with it, yes, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. I hate to say that, Theo, because I know you're the Arsenal man, I'm not. So anything to do with Arsenal getting beat or losing the title, I'm all for, mate. But, the, you know, the result against Newcastle was superb. Newcastle in great form, St. James's Park. Arsenal turned it on, and Odegaard, the captain, um, absolutely fantastic. It was lovely to actually meet yesterday. I interviewed for Optus Sport Ian Wright, and the Gunners man was just singing the praise of Arsenal. He was he was you know upbeat about it, and he says the title race is still on, and I, it definitely is without a shadow of a doubt. And I think Brighton are going to play, even though they've just got smashed up Everton, they're going to play a major part in this title decider because they've got to play Manchester City, Arsenal, and Newcastle. So there's going to be something major going on in the top half. If they can get through them games, they put themselves in Europe. And if they can't, then obviously there's going to be something going on at the top of the table. So, yes, you, you could be smiling, but I'm still having City, even though they're going to have one eye in the Champions League. I, I definitely thought, like, looking, uh, and for you, Theo, as, as a, as a con- confessed now Arsenal fan, uh, I, I think that performance at Newcastle was 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 massive. Uh, you know, the, the game Newcastle took it to them. They had their little bit of luck with obviously the the overturned penalty. The, you know, Newcastle hit the post a couple of times. Uh, but but these are the you know you see any championship you know ship winning team. You know they have to grind out results sometimes. And I think that's been the problem for Arsenal in the past. You know th- these sort of games they would have laid down and they would have. You know they they would have raised the white flag and and you know there's always been this at least in the last sort of six seven years of they're just being too soft when they had to pull off the you know you know they had to roll up their sleeves that they, they never really did um, and you know massive performance I thought. Do you know so, what's killed Arsenal? You know, this looking season, at the games, they got, 
The, the, what, what if Arsenal don't win it this season? What you were saying there when they roll their sleeves up and the performance they're putting against the teams at the top. When they look back at this season, if you don't win a tail, it's the glossy, it's the matches against the teams that were bottom of the Premier League in Everton and the 3-3 draw with Southampton. They're the points that have gone amiss when you've played the teams that were bottom of the Premier League. And I think, was the was the Everton a draw or a loss? Because they're the two results that I'm thinking that when you look back, you'll be gutted. Yeah, it was a loss to Everton. Well, uh, that is coming up, uh, both those games this weekend, of course, as all the Premier League games are on Optus Sport. Uh, the top four remains compelling as well because uh, at the moment it's Newcastle holding third by two points from Manchester United, another point back to Liverpool, and then another five points back to Tottenham, who I assume we're all putting the line through and then Brighton with a couple of games in hand. But, of course, that uh, stunning loss to Everton at the weekend. So, uh, gentlemen, give me third to sixth, maybe third to seventh, if you think that Brighton are going to climb back uh, above Tottenham uh, by winning their games in hand. Who is currently top of that seeding? Who's getting those Champions League spots? Thomas, you've done the heavy lifting answering first a lot today. So, Bridgie, you can uh, you can have first crack at this one. I've got to stick Newcastle United in the top four. They've got to be in there. Oh, I'm sticking oh, by my guns. Tommy, that go. was a big call early on <laughs> in the season to, for me to say they would finish Champions League. I got laughed at. I'm keeping them in there. Do you know what it is? I, I think that... Good call, mate. I think Man United will finish third. I'm going to say that. Newcastle fourth, Liverpool fifth, and I'm going to say Brighton will finish above Tottenham. So it's going to be Brighton in sixth and Tottenham in seventh place. I think they are going to be... Can Aston Villa get themselves in? I think think Villa have actually gone and done superb, Tommy, but I think we've seen them. They're on the holidays now. They've they've clocked out, and it's up to Brighton to to beat Tottenham Hotspur. So there you go. That's mine. Yeah, I agree with you with Man United. I think, you know, they got three home games uh, out of the last four, you know, all winnable. Uh, so, and then they got Bournemouth away. So, you, you would think that they at least get maybe 10 points out of, out of those. Uh, Newcastle still, as you said, they've got some tough games, you know, going to Leeds, so a few away games. So, uh, and I think they'll be happy. You know, they they are more or less uh, in the Champions League. I think they need maybe one, one two wins uh, out, of, out of the last couple. Uh, Liverpool fifth, I, I agree. Uh, I, I don't think Brighton, you know, they go away to Arsenal. Uh, they, they've just been too inconsistent. Yes, they've been brilliant this season. But now where you see the big teams go on a run, we've seen Liverpool, you know, win five straight. Uh, Newcastle, uh, you know, so. Brighton have just slipped up too many times, and I, I think it, it's just going to be um, sadly seventh for them, and, and Tottenham is just going to sit in that sixth place. All right, neither of you have picked Liverpool to finish in the top four, but as things currently stand, they are only one point behind Manchester United, and a lot of the chat this year has been about a Manchester United revival and setting themselves up for the years to come under Eric Ten Hag. Meanwhile, Liverpool have had the campaign from uh, from the horrors and uh, seemingly in an irredeemable position, and yet here they are, only separated by one point, albeit with Manchester United having a game in hand. Uh, Bridgie, is it too early? Do we have to wait for these final three games of the season before we give Jurgen Klopp an apology? No, he doesn't deserve an apology because he's been acting like a pork chop the whole season on and off the field. Do you know what it is? I've I've, I've actually spoken to a lot of people and a lot of a lot of media, a lot of fans, um, being back in England this season, and the amount of people that have said that Jurgen Klopp this year has really irritated them and wound them up the wrong way. And he, he's, I think he's highlighted a, a a chink in his armour. To be fair, he's he's been found out a little bit. The excuses, the way he's acted on the sideline in, in numerous matches. And that comes with pressure, and it's the first time I think we've seen Jurgen Klopp under pressure, and he hasn't handled it very, very well. So there's no apology needed there, mate. Not a chance. He doesn't deserve it. But Liverpool, to be fair to the players and the staff, they've after the tough, tough games and the start that they've had, they've finally found some form of normality once again and got themselves going. And that'll that'll be, you know, so much joy to Liverpool fans if they can get in the top four. But I just feel that Newcastle having that extra game in hand with a three-point buffer will stay in there. And I think Man United, like Tommy said, will turn it on. I think Liverpool, um, maybe maybe I'll be apologising to Liverpool fans at the end of the season on the Gagan pod to say sorry for not putting you in the top four. But Jurgen Klopp definitely not getting an apology. Hey, mate, I, I think you need to apologise calling him a pork chop. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> 
Uh, you know, but yeah, we saw pull him, pull him pulling a hamstring. You know, it's not it's not been a disaster season for Liverpool. Uh, you, you know, they've set a high bar, and, and sometimes that's hard. You know, you, you're talking about disaster. You have to look at Chelsea, uh, but. You know, compare them to United. They won. United won already one trophy. They are in another final. Um, I think the way they have turned around. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think you can compare. I think compared to, to yeah to United, I think they've they've obviously had a a disappointing season. I think. And uh, but yeah, you know, you're looking at the last couple of games. They can at least start the next season with a you know a, a, a positive if they get into the Champions League. Um, you know, and 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 then you go from there. So, so yeah, I don't think we owe him an apology because he hasn't performed to, to the expected level, but to call him a pork chop, uh, uh, you know, it's maybe a, bit, a step too far, Bridgie. Well, it's, uh, it's set up perfectly if Liverpool do end up in the top four. I will be asking that question again. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, so, uh, just briefly, as we uh, wrap the Premier League talking points, uh, Manchester City getting that draw at the Santiago Bernabeu. It's only just happened, so don't need to go into too much depth. But uh, a one-all draw, obviously away goals no longer a factor if it finishes uh, level, regardless of the scoreline at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, they will just continue on into extra time. What's your gut feel, Thomas? Who's going through to the Champions League final? <laughs> will it be the La Liga's last team standing or the Premier League's last team standing? It's so much in the balance. It was actually uh, a joy to watch this morning. Two two teams setting up very differently. You know, Real Madrid so compact, you know, uh, sitting back, waiting for that opportunity to send Vinicius on his way. You know, and they got the goal and Man City, I think they had 80% possession, you know, try to carve out chances. And, and it's going to be the same in the second leg. You're really seeing two top teams operate in a different way. But playing to their strengths and, oh, you know, again, you know, I can confess myself as a little bit of a Man City fan. So I'm obviously hoping that they, um, you know, that they're going to get through. I think they've deserved it this season. They have been absolutely brilliant. But Real Madrid are just the Champions League uh, destroyers. You know, they just get it done, even though their league form is, is, is crumbling. They just turn up on a big stage. So, whew, you know, I'll be so nervous going into that second game because it, it's... It could go either way. But I'm hoping Man City, obviously. Do you know the best thing for me watching this game is all the individual battles that we saw? Because Rudiger against Haaland was absolutely magnificent. I can't wait to see that again. There were just two absolute units going up against each other. And there's not many people I've seen handle Haaland. And Rudiger did a fantastic job. Uh, Valverde against De Bruyne was sensational. And Kyle Walker coming in for a man, Man City at right back playing against Vinicius Jr., there was just matchups all over, so looking forward to the second leg, and it's too too close to call, but I think that's a fantastic result for Man City away from home. Stay with us here on the Gegen Pod. We have a crazy final day of the championship uh, regular season, still the playoffs to come. Ange Postacoglu's latest, a bit of La Liga women's football. It's all next on the Gegen Pod. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Gagan Pod. We've got former Premier League stars Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges with us this week. But another of our Gagan Pod regulars, not able to join us today, but a couple of weeks ago, we did flag the idea of a heritage matchup. The Thomas Sorensen versus Mark Schwarzer. Most expensive game in, foot, in football. Bring it on, Teal. Bring and, it on. Uh, of course, I'm referring to the championship. Uh, it's only at the semi-final stage, but the final placings uh, between third and sixth mean that the prospect of Sunderland versus Middlesbrough for a spot in the Premier League could still very much come to pass. However, Michael Bridges, as I start with you, those semi-finals are Luton against Sunderland and Middlesbrough against Coventry. These will be tricky. There's a whole lot 
sort of sentimentality attached, I must say, to the other two teams uh, rather than the Sorensen v Schwarzer heritage match. What is your read on how the season ended with Millwall blowing it from 3-1 up against Blackburn and then Sunderland sneaking in to that top six? It was a mad final day. And like you say, I think every Sunderland away fan was in the crowd either listening on their radios or looking at their iPhones or their whatever phones they were using just to see what the result was going to be from the other fixture because Sunderland had to get a result at Preston North End. It was nil-nil, then half-time, second half came out and they just went bang, bang, bang with three beautiful goals. So they've done their job. They see Millwall are 3-1 up and they're thinking, oh no, it's not going to happen. And then Blackburn all of a sudden, they turn it on to win 4-3 and obviously that, that went through the crowd at Sunderland um, and at Preston in the away end and it was just like a party atmosphere. There was people just going absolutely crazy knowing that they had got into the playoffs via the back door. Everything had aligned and when you think the job Tony Mowbray has done this season when he's taken over on, the, on a budget that Sunderland have had with no number nine because they lost Ross Stewart, they lost um, Sims back to Everton. He's done a magnificent job. and then in the, So they're going to play Luton Town. Now, in the Luton Town and Sunderland have played twice this season already. They've been 1-1 draws both matches. So, you know, this is going to be so hard to, to decide who goes through. And then the other one, Middlesbrough and Coventry, they're going to play each other three times in the space of two weeks because they've just played and then they go into the playoffs together. And Mark Robbins, when my, I was at Coventry, when Michael Carrot took over at Middlesbrough, they played each other in October. They were both in the relegation zone. So you think how much of a good job these two managers have done with these clubs to get them where they are now. So for me, it's all to play for because Sunderland have got the, the form guide. Middlesbrough have lost a few matches. Luton have slumbered a little bit as well. So going into the playoffs, if you're looking at a team in form, it's got to be Sunderland. But anything can happen in the playoffs. We've been there before, me and Tommy. And it's not easy. Bridgie, certainly with regards to Coventry, there's a lot of sentimentality, I think, from people that are your age and people that are my age. Because when I started getting into the Premier League, um, a very different landscape back at the end of the 90s, believe me. But uh, the uh, the Coventry City team, they signed Robbie Keane. You mentioned Keane earlier. They had Mustafa Haji and, Mustafa Haji and Yusuf Chippo, the Moroccan stars of the 1998 yeah. World Cup. I mean, <laughs> Gordon just, Strachan as manager. Gordon Strachan as manager. I mean, how could I not be biased towards Gordon Strachan? But um, the... <laughs> The the circumstances around their return, I mean, it's a pretty miraculous rise as well. I mean, there are some incredible stories. I guess, Bridgie, uh, are we kidding ourselves to think that any of these teams will actually be competitive once they get into the Premier League and maybe only a, a Nottingham Forest-style renovation of their squads will keep them up? It's not like, a say, Burnley that no. are coming up under Vincent Company, who, in addition to parachute payments and, and historic Premier League money, um, also have carved out quite an identity with how they play football. It seems as though these teams are almost getting promoted by accident, in, in some cases maybe even too early um, for the evolution of their squad. But how could you possibly say no to being one of the 20 in the Premier League, regardless of when and how it comes about? I think the only team out of the four that are in the playoffs in the Championship that are geared up for it is Middlesbrough, um, that potentially can go and spend and, and, and get themselves in a position where they could probably stay up um, if they do things right, and they've got—I think they've got the manager, the know-how now. Um, he's shown what he can do. He's got the staff behind him with Woodgate, who's been there before, understands the club. They could potentially do something. Sunderland have got a lot of loan players. There's still a lot of things going on off the field. They've got the fan base, no doubt about. They've got the stadium, as Middlesbrough have as well as Sunderland. But Sunderland would have to do a Nottingham Forest and recruitment. Coventry, however, they've just sorted out a new deal for their stadium to be in there with the Fraser Group for five years. Um, they were nearly not going to be able to play the remainder of their games there. They got that done last minute. So that shows how crazy that has been. Remember what went on at the start of the season when there were so many games behind because of the ground in the field wasn't ready and things like that. So that's been crazy. And then if Luton go up, it's going to cost them five to six million to do up their ground, let alone get the recruitment of players. So it's going to be so, so interesting to see who does go up. Um, but like you say, I think the only one that are really geared up is, is Middlesbrough. Um, because it could, you know, Sunderland have got the potential to do so. Um, but again, just with the recruitment and the amount of money that would need to be spent, I don't think that it would be an easy ride in the Premier League. I, I totally agree with you, Bridget. I think Middlesbrough, you know, you, you, you look at infrastructure, you, you know, you look at personnel, you know, those are the things that, you know, you've you got to get right because 
yeah, there's going to be whoever goes up. There's going to be a, a massive uh, emphasis on recruitment. Uh, you know, you talked about Sunderland. Obviously, they've they've got some brilliant young loan players, but uh, you know, can they keep them? Can they sign them on permanent deals? Will they be good enough for the for the Premier League if they do go up? I think you can question that. And uh, you know, there's just too much going. on. I, I love what's going on at Luton. Like Rob Edwards, uh, the manager, is a former teammate of mine at Aston Villa. Uh, great guy, and I think he's done a fantastic job there. Um, but y you know, there's just too many question marks. So, you know, it will take a hell of a job uh, for everyone involved for 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 at least three of these teams to stay in the Premier League. Uh, that would be unbelievable. Um, but let's see what happens. Uh, let's, let's hope for that, uh, that Sunderland-Middlesbrough playoff final. That's going to be a cracking atmosphere. It, it is strange, though, that we hear so much about what a tough league the championship is and how much owners overspend. They spend anticipating getting into the Premier League and they take those risks with their clubs, with their own personal fortunes that they invest... Wouldn't it stand to reason that there would be an oversupply of teams ready to jump into the Premier League rather than what we're seeing this season? It's not like teams are spending any less. It's not like there are fewer clubs that are at risk of, of it all collapsing because they weren't able to get the Premier League paycheck at the end of it. And yet it seems as though teams that never could have dreamed that they would be in the playoffs are in the playoffs this year. But Bridgie, how do we explain how we've come to this with the four teams that have ended up in these semifinals? Taylor's only one thing, that is the championship. That is why it's so hard, because you can go and spend. Blackburn Rovers spent some big money. They've got some quality players, and they've only just missed out. Um, you saw QPR under under Beale, who's now at Rangers. They were flying. They spent, spent big, and look where they are now. They've been an absolute free fall. It's been horrendous. So you just never know. The championship is a very strange thing. If you don't get the correct people in place at the head, like Sutton had a huge decision to make when they got rid of Johnson to bring in Tony Mowbray. That was a huge call. Tony's just come and steadied the ship and he's got an experienced head in there. And then you go to Huddersfield. What's happened down there? They were, they were, they were in oblivion. Well, what did they do? They've gone back and got um, Neil Warnock out of, out of um, retirement. And he's gone and done incredible things. So there's, it, it, it can go to show that in the championship, me and Thomas have been there. We had a manager under Peter Reid that had us together. He created a culture at that football club that we went on a ride and a journey with him. And we, we went into there with the mindset that we were going to win every single game. There's a lot of managers come come over um, or think that they've got this vision and philosophy where you can play ticky-tacky football and get it done. You've got to have it absolutely spot on because if you get in the championship and you haven't got a plan B or a plan C, you'll find it very, very tough. And I think that's where a lot of managers come unstuck in that division. You've got to make sure that you've got the players on board. Um, and then like we've seen, the, the managers have got it right this season. Look what's happened to them. Yeah, but also, like, the championship is a grind. Uh, and I, I just think there's too many that's not really ready or up for that, uh, you know, long, long season. You're in earlier in, in the Cups. You know, you're playing midweek most weeks. Uh, you know, it, it, it is really tough. Like, Bridget, we, we've, you know, we went through it and, you know, it was an eye-opener for me. And, and uh, that's where you got, you got to have people and the team and everyone in place uh, to, to get through that league. Uh, and I think that's why we've seen Burnley and Sheffield United doing so well. You know, they, they have, uh, you know, been consistent all the way through. And, and there's just too many teams that, you know, they just bounce all over the place. Uh, and that, that's, you know, that's the difference uh, from, from actually getting in the playoffs and not. And speaking of those parachute payments, last year's other relegated Premier League teams, Watford and Norwich, ended up finishing 11th and 13th respectively, yeah. which I don't think too many people, even especially themselves, would have predicted at the start of the campaign. So watch this space. We'll be working out one more team that will be joining us for the Premier League on Optus Sport next season. We had a really, really good chat last week, Thomas, with John McGinley, uh, our Celtic correspondent for Optus Sport, uh, incredibly popular whenever he's on the Gagan Pod as well, uh, talking not just Celtic but all things Scottish football. And uh, Julie Ange Postacoglu delivered by winning the Scottish Premiership at the weekend. Um, 
didn't give much of an impression like it's a full stop or like he's leaving uh, or it was goodbye though, Thomas. Maybe it'll be different when they play at home next and they get to lift the trophy in front of their own fans. It's always fascinating listening to Ange talk, but I didn't hear any indicators at all that uh, he's got his eye elsewhere or that he's had his head turned by the Premier League just yet. It really did seem like a manager who is in for the long haul at Celtic. Yeah, I, I think so. I... I um... You know, that's what we talked about last week as well, is that uh, I think he can afford now to, to just wait for the right opportunity. And uh, I, I don't think another year in Scotland is going to, you know, uh, it's going to do him any harm. You know, he's, he's got a good base now. You know, they've got a good squad. The, 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 the club is humming. There's a lot of confidence. Uh, and that's not going to change next season. And I think there is that outstanding... Champions League, uh, you know, to at least prove that he can do it at that level as well. Uh, because if he can tick off that box, then you are looking at a top six, maybe top eight team in the Premier League. If, if he can finish second, potentially third, and go on a run in the Europa League, that is a massive, uh, uh, you know, massive thing on top of what he's already got. So I, I think we're you know, realistically, I think that's what he's, he's going to do. But who knows? You know, it, there might be an opportunity too good to pass up uh, this summer. Uh, but I, I'll be surprised, like we talked about last week. Do you know? Is he still got? He's, he's still focused on this season as well because they've got the the other final um, coming up as well, where they're going to could do the treble. The other thing, I, I, I text Harry Kuehl just say congratulations, mate, because he's been part of the the team there as his assistant manager. I text Harry. I said congratulations, mate. I said have you been celebrating? He was like, no, no, nothing to celebrate here yet. He said, and I was thinking, hang on a minute, that's not like Harry. He loves a celebration. Uh, obviously, Ange has got into his head as well. He said, we've got a few more games to go. We can. What Ange is looking at now, he's looking at breaking records. So a few more wins, probably the most wins that Celtic have had in a season, the most goals scored in a season, going for the treble. So it just shows you that Ange is just absolutely focused on doing a job. He, he yeah, they've won the title and they've won it by a, a huge amount, but he's still focused on just breaking records and finishing out the season. And I do think that he's there for another season to have a go in the Champions League, and they'll recruit once again. Um, like you say, why why jump ship when, you are, when you've got that kind of fan base and you are on a successful run like he is doing? You've got the key to the city. Like, it's just incredible what he, what he has done, um, and good on him. So... Like I say, they are fully focused to finish this season on the high and mighty. And I said to Harry, well, once you've won the treble and you've broke all records, then I'll come up and we'll have a celebration. I'm just going to be devil's advocate here, though. Uh, we were speaking about Blackburn earlier. And you might remember the January transfer window, not uh, the January just gone, but uh, the season before, uh, where Ben Brereton-Diaz was one of the hottest properties in football and was being linked to a... 20 million to 25 million pound move to Newcastle United. They ended up, I think, strategically signing Chris Wood from Burnley instead uh, to weaken one of the teams they were battling. <laughs> Amazing to even say this, battling relegation with at the time. Doesn't that feel like a lot longer than 18 months ago? Uh, and now Ben Brereton Diaz is leaving Blackburn, um, seemingly on a free transfer. Some speculation he's going to a lower end Premier League team. Uh, some speculation he's going to La Liga, but certainly not for the price tag that uh, when he was at his absolute highest and when their stocks were at their absolute highest. Is it a case, and again, I'm purely throwing this out there as devil's advocate, that we've seen all the strengths of Ange Postacoglu and maybe another Champions League group stage that doesn't go to plan or they get a horrendous draw where they'll be in pot four, they'll get three tough teams. Um, is it a case that maybe now... Uh, instead of holding his cards close to his chest, now is the time to jump because his stocks in Scotland can't really get any higher. What a lovely problem to have. Does Ange jump ship when he's on top of his game and go? Does he sit back and wait for another season and then maybe not find... Theo, you, all, all the clubs need to look at is his CV. He's a serial winner. Everywhere he has gone, he has had success. And that is that will not damage it. Let's just say he finishes next season and, and he stays on in the finish second behind Rangers and have a nasty Champions League thing, that is not going to tarnish anything that he has done there. Because I, I, I think that some team in the Premier League, and will manage in the Premier League the next four years, no shadow of a doubt. I don't know who with, but he will definitely get his opportunity when he is ready to take it. Yeah, and, and you, you, you bet on yourself. You know, that, you know, there's always risk. And, and uh, you know, I would love... Uh, Ange to, to to just take that uh, next year and 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 try to 
you know, really set himself up for, for a massive opportunity. Um, you know, and you know, we all got weaknesses. You know, my wife is still with me. She knows all my weaknesses. So uh, I'm, I'm sure the Celtic fans will stick behind him for another season uh, if, <laughs> if, it <doesn't> go, <laughs> if it doesn't go to plan. But you know what? I, I, I love, you know, if he was going to take that on for next year as well. And, and, and yeah, just bet on himself to... Uh, to come out at an even better position. But yeah, Theo, there's always risk. You know, sometimes we have to take it. Much like Celtic, we're about to see a champion crowned in La Liga. Barcelona may not have to kick a ball to win the championship in Spain this weekend because both Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid play before they do. They are 13 points clear with five games still to play, 14 clear of Real Madrid, who have dropped down to third, and as we mentioned earlier, have the Champions League to worry about. So they are about to be crowned the champions of Spain, but not all is well, Bridgie. Uh, we've seen more than 100 staff laid off from Barcelona's media division as they continue to slash costs and look for ways to save money. And uh, when some negative things are going on at Barcelona, of course, they set off a, a firework to try and distract their fans and distract uh, perhaps uh, anyone that they owe money and say, hey, let's start chatting about a Leo Messi return. So exactly yeah. what we saw in the offseason just gone, for all the things that are going wrong for Barcelona, they still have a way of using a bit of a sleight of hand to create a misdirection. Isn't it absolutely lovely to think that there's 125 staff have been laid off, but they're talking about re-signing Messi. I'm sure all the families of them, people that have been made redundant, will be delighted with the news that Messi's returning and they're not going to be able to put food on the table. I think it's an absolute joke what they've done. Um, and it just shows that, that you know what is going on behind the scenes, off the field. They're, they're still in dire straits. And it's, it's never nice to be in a situation like that when you're at a football club. Now, I experienced this at Leeds United when we saw staff getting laid off and we were struggling financially. And it's not nice to see people leaving the club that you've built relationships with off the field that are, are there on a on a you know on a on a, a very, very minimum wage to be there to support the football club and they're the ones that are being made redundant. So I, I don't like the situation um, that Barcelona find themselves in with the media side of it or the people that have been laid off. And again, like you say too, with it with the um the smoke screen, but it's good to see them back playing football and doing great things in La Liga um, when you think the players that they have, have signed. Because to see, I still can't get my head around seeing Lewandowski in a, in a Barcelona shirt. It just doesn't, it's one of them things that it's like an optical illusion. I just can't get my head around it. But he's been absolutely magnificent this season. So I'm, I'm pleased that they're back competing for the title um, after a few years, I heard. But again, behind the scenes, there's something major going on and they're, they're still in a world of pain and Obviously, we until it till we see what goes on in the off season to see how much trouble they are in. We'll we'll won't know until that moment. You know, for me, there there's a lot of, of red flags. You know, they they just issued a statement that they've, you know, extended a credit facility with some of the big banks uh, of 50 million euros. Uh, you know, what are they? You know, that's obviously a security. They're trying to cover some expenses. You know, they they're talking about they're, you know they're finalizing the finances for the Espai Barca project, uh, which is the the re redevelopment of the new camp and their training ground and uh, and their sort of uh, second tier stadium as well. Um, you know, there's just too many things for me that doesn't add up. And then on top of it, you're talking about how can they finance uh, Messi coming back? <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and you know they sold their future TV rights. You know they sold parts of their media company as well. Poor, you know, uh, I, I I worry. The board I, would I, sell I, the I, clothes I, off their own back to survive. Yeah, and there's you know there's, they'll set themselves up with so much debt, uh, and eventually that has to be paid back. You know, unless they do a Real Madrid where the government comes in and 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 just buys their training ground for billions and billions just to cover that. Ooh, you know, it's, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, I, I worry. You know, I, I feel they've gone down a path where there's no return and, you know, we, we'll see some issues uh, just keep creeping up and they're going to get bigger and bigger. So hopefully... They can do well. I guess if you've come this far, deferring it to tomorrow, 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 and then maybe a new revenue stream that none of us could have anticipated, yeah, like a Bitcoin, for example, opens up, and then all of a sudden they're able to 
uh, repay the debts and, and clear them far easier than we could anticipate today. Maybe that is the only answer they've got. I, I mean, from a, a footballing point of view, uh, they are about to win the championship and celebrate again. And at least, you know, we think back to when they got knocked out of the Champions League at the group stage and then knocked out of the Europa League by Manchester United. Uh, their league form has still been incredible. If anything, it, it really uh, highlights how they've underperformed in Europe this year, that we know they've got a team very capable of, of walking away with La Liga, only conceding 11 goals in 33 games. Yeah, for sure. I think they, you know, they have definitely been the most consistent side. Uh, had, have they been really impressive? You know, if we think about, you know, what former Barcelona teams have been like, it's definitely been a different direction that Xavi has taken it. As you said, Ter Stegen, uh, Garcia, you know, Christensen, whoever has played at the back have, have been tremendous this year. You know, too many, you know, too many clean sheets to count. But, you know, is it as exciting as we would expect from Barcelona? Is it what the fans... Want you know? I think they'll be happy with the championship this season, but I'm sure there'll be different expectations next year, and and it'll be all about can you know can they take that next step and and become that exciting team of the past? I think that's that's going to be the next question. But yeah, well you know so good so far. I think for for, for obviously winning the championship. Let's talk some women's football because Wembley selling out is starting to become very normal for WSL teams, uh, regardless of uh, whether it's the Conti Cup or the FA Cup. And that's what's coming up at Wembley this weekend, 11.30pm on Sunday night, Chelsea against Manchester United. You'd have to say the last two standing in the battle for the WSL title race, you'd just about put a line through uh, Manchester City now, Arsenal uh, games in hand, but so many injuries and uh, basically needing uh, nothing short of a, a mathematical miracle in order to return to the reckoning. So the top two in the league now meet in the cup final as well. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, Chelsea may have played one of their games in hand to close to within a point uh, if they do win at the top of the league against Manchester United. But let's talk about the cup final. As we know, Sam Kerr has a sensational record in these big games in the English, uh, both leagues and cups. Uh, does she come out on top again, or is it finally Manchester United's year? Uh, Michael Bridges, we'll start with you. In front of uh, another 85,000-plus crowd at Wembley, who's going to win and why? It's going to be an amazing, amazing final. And like you say, just to, to know that Wembley's going to be sold out, you know, the, the back of the success in the Euros for the Lionesses, um, the quality of the matches that we're seeing in WSL this season... And the, like you say, the superstars that have been coming here to play, and Sam Kerr is one of them superstars, not only in the WSL, but in world football. So I'm, I'm all for sharing the love here, right? So I'm taking Manchester United to win the FA Cup final and take the glory away from Sam Kerr and Chelsea Football Club. But on the other hand, I'm going to give Chelsea their WSL title. They've got the two games in hand. They're going to win them. And Sam Kirk can win the WSL with Chelsea. So I'm I'm all for sharing the love because this season, like I say, I've, I've really enjoyed watching um, and, and seeing the matches and the full houses that have been shown at several stadiums around the country. Um, and I've got to also give Newcastle girls a shout out as well. The women's team, they've just been promoted to the third tier of English football, so our region in the northeast, where I'm situated at the moment, has been going absolutely ballistic with the success of Newcastle United men's, but also the women getting getting up there. So there you go, Teo. Man United to win it. That's that's going to be my take on the FA Cup final and Chelsea to win the WSL. Oh, Bridgie, what what a nice person you are. Uh, just spreading <laughs> the love there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think you know it's United's first FA Cup final. Um, you know they've done. You know where they've come to this season. I think. Is tremendous. Uh, we needed someone to to take Chelsea all the way. You know, the good news is Sam Kerr. She went off this weekend with a little bit of an angle tweak. The good, there's good news. Uh, you know, from a Danish perspective, uh, Penilla Harda is back and she got two goals coming up, uh, coming on uh, for Sam Kerr. So, you know, Chelsea. I think you know in the league are the team to beat. Um, you know, this is going to be a cracking final. You want to see the two best teams that. You know, I just love, uh, you know, Parrish, uh, Russo, um, you know, even Galton. She got a couple of goals uh, this weekend. You know, they've been tremendous. Uh, so, you know, I, I would actually uh, agree with you, Bridget. I would like Man United to take this title uh, or this cup final. Uh, and, and sadly, I think, 
you know, Chelsea's going to win out in the league um, and, and win there. So, yeah, you know what? I'm a nice person as well, so share the love. <laughs> there we go. So, interesting. Neither of you are taking Chelsea in this cup final. Okay, we'll wait and see how they go. And don't forget, they do have those games in hand in the league. One last topic to finish with on the Pod, and that is Aussies overseas, because... We'll start with the the managerial side of things. Northampton Town promoted into League One. Aussie John Brady celebrating with the Australian flag, Bridgie, as they win automatic promotion. And uh, getting from League Two to League One happens a lot, and no one spends very long in League One. Here's a stat. In fact, I'll let you guess, Bridgie. Who's the longest-serving team in League One, and how many seasons have they been in the division? Oh, no, you're asking. Longest servant. Come on, give us a clue. Uh, it's only been nine seasons. They've only been there since 2013-14. The league is so transitory for the teams that either come down into it or get promoted up into it that uh, no one ever spends very long in League One. Well, that, that's not much of a clue. I'm thinking, can you give us some demographic, please? <laughs> Still no further forward than a clue. I, I'm sure you mean geographic, not not demographic. Well, geographically. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, Bridgie, if, if that's the criteria you're, you're using to guess, then uh, you're going to need a demography here. Uh, Th- Thomas Sorensen, do you want the first crack? Who, uh, who is the uh, the longest serving team in League One? But you, no. at least now you know it's only nine seasons. Got to be Peterborough. Uh, no, it's not Peterborough. I can tell you, Bridgie, uh, that it's Fleetwood Town. Fleetwood Town. It's no. No, I would never have got it. No. But uh, I guess my, my point is uh, that it, it's a, a very tough division. Teams that get promoted in, they either bounce through up to the championship or get relegated back down to League Two. Um, you, you get a huge variation in standard as well. But what a challenge for John Brady after winning his way in with Northampton Town. Yeah, I, I, and great for him. I, I remember, the, I'm sure Optus did a documentary or a series on him. Um, it was absolutely brilliant to listen to. I think Swartzy was there having a look at the training facilities that were obviously nowhere near the stand of what he would be after. And, you know, John John Brady is from, he's born in the Newcastle region, Australia. I lived there. So I, I know the history behind what he's about. And it was just lovely to see that they managed to sustain it um, and get the job done because I, w- I was watching them against Harrogate Town this season and it was like Land of the Giants. They've got two centre-halves about six foot six. They never lost a header all game. They scored two from corners on set players. And I thought, you know what it is? He's got, he's, he knows what it's about um, to get the, t- the players that you need in certain positions. And I, I like this style of player. They could play on the ball, but they could also have a bit of route one. Um, and I'm delighted for him. And it was lovely to see the Australian flag come out when he celebrated with a promotion. Um, knowing that what he's had to go through to try and prove his worth over here in England. Uh, and he's gone and done that. Because there's, there's not many people can break the mould when they come over from Australia. Um, and, and he's done that, and it's, it's a credit to himself and the personnel he's had alongside him. And Thomas, I've got a goalkeeping one for you, because Matt Ryan and Azad Alkmaar, they are going up against West Ham in the Europa Conference League. They're getting closer and closer to a potential final. Of course, West Ham will be very tough, but Matty Ryan, he's seeing it as something of a, an audition, potentially, to return to the Premier League. We've seen him both for Brighton and that very short uh, spell with Arsenal as well. Um, he's found a landing spot that works for him. We've seen him not quite work out in Spain. Denmark was a a very short stay, but the Netherlands has been very much to his liking and he's getting results as well. Huge challenge for Arzad Alkmaar, but uh, are they some sort of a chance of getting past West Ham over two legs? You know, I think they have a chance. Um, You know, know, they're sitting fourth in the league. They've, you know, they pushed, uh, you know, final PSV and Ajax uh, all season. Um, you know, again, you know, they've, they've got a little history in Europe, you know, they've, they've done well in the past and over two legs, you know, you, you, you always fancy yourself and, and, and what an opportunity it is for, for Matty Ryan. Uh, you know, you talked about, you know, what went wrong in the past, you know, he's been on the bench, uh, you know, he's been an outcast, uh, he had a good World Cup, but now he's found a, a good league, a good team uh, where he's appreciated and, and yeah, you know, it, it is an audition. Uh, and, you know, if you can get in a conference league final, uh, and I think these are the two best teams. Uh, you obviously got Fiorentina and Basel in the other semifinal. Um, phew, you know, you know, if you can get through this one, I think you, you'll fancy yourself uh, and what an opportunity and, and achievement that would be. Uh, and I would love to see him back in the Premier League, uh, hopefully. 
Well, on that note, uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on the Gegen Pod this week. Whether it's the relegation battle, the title race, the top four race, more twists and turns. Michael Bridges, we well, I think we tried to put you on the hot seat this week, but you had your defences ready, mate. So well played and good luck to you and Leeds. Thank you very much. I learned from the best. One of my favourite ever cartoons with a thing called Batfink and he had wings of steel. So there you go. I've managed to deflect very, very well on that one and I would love to wish you all the best for your team Arsenal but I'm not going to but it was lovely to see you again Theo and Tommy thanks for that and all the listeners enjoy your football Hey Bridgie I uh, just hope you got a good relegation release clause uh, in your contract there at Leeds uh, I think you'll need it uh, but yeah it's been great this morning it's been great to get your insight and uh, you know I can't wait for, for more twists and turns uh, coming into next week Yes yeah, a big thanks to Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges The Premier League is in prime time on Saturday with a 9.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time kickoff for Leeds United against Newcastle United. There's a five-game goal rush from midnight on Sunday and you can see Everton play Manchester City from 11pm on Sunday night as one of three games. Then finish the match week with Leicester City's vital relegation clash against Liverpool from 5am on Tuesday. All times Australian Eastern Standard Time. La Liga is back from 5am on Saturday morning with Mallorca's match against Cadiz. See Real Madrid play Getafe from 5am on Sunday morning and Barcelona's trip to Espanyol at 5am on Monday morning. All times Australian Eastern Standard Time. The WSL, depending on when you're listening to this pod, has two Thursday morning games. Check the Optusport website and app for all the latest fixture info. And the J-League and K-League continue on Optus Sport. Make sure to jump on to the website or app for broadcast details. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars while you're there. I'm Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for your company on the Optus Sport Football Podcast. This was the Gegenpop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.